Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's about to get real with the MTV original reality TV star OG, John and Beth, as they chat with great guests to discuss reality TV, music, pop culture, and real world life. Pick up your phone and go to wherever you get your podcast. Search for Getting Real with John and Beth. Turn it up. Getting Real starts now. Today, our worlds collide. Beth, professional wrestling and the challenge. Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know anything about professional wrestling, okay? (laughs) But um, when did you become such a big fan? I was young. It was was 1984 when when Hulk Hogan defeated the Iron Sheik and Hulkamania was was born. And then came Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon. And, you know, every Saturday wrestling used to be on before there was Monday nights. There was Saturday mornings after after roller derby. And I was a little Hulkster, like Jimmy Superfly Snooker, Junkyard Dog. I mean, I have always, I like the 80s, you know, the very first WrestleMania, I actually have the VHS copy of. I remember that was the first time I ever heard pay-per-view was this is going to be on closed circuit television from Madison Square Garden, pay-per-view. And I'm like, what do you mean it's pay-per-view? What does that mean? You have to pay to watch television now? And it was Mr. T and Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. WrestleMania one. I know it's so crazy. And now they're talking about building a $3 billion stadium here in Nashville to hopefully host a Super Bowl and just as importantly, a WrestleMania. And so, yeah. So I've been, I mean, as long as well, before you've known me. That's incredible. I mean, I remember when I was, I don't know, maybe I was like nine or 10. Somebody took me to a wrestling event in Pittsburgh. And I and you think loved it. Paul Colgan. Oh, uh, wow. I mean, you know, How can you not uh, love it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's okay. It's okay. Maybe I need to go back and check out wrestling now as a mature adult. Maybe I'll do I that with you. I'll do that loose. with you. Actually, actually, our sit-in guest today on Getting Real with John and Beth is is a become a good friend to me. And you know, he's a good friend because you know what he did on my birthday last year, my last birthday that I had, I was actually a guest at the live event for challenge mania here in Nashville at the city winery. And that same day was a pay-per-view event for the WWE SummerSlam in Nashville at the Titan stadium, Nissan stadium. Our friend, the Miz was wrestling and Scott Yeager from the challenge mania podcast took me got tickets and took me as a guest to SummerSlam, a pay-per-view event. And it was amazing. And I'm forever indebted. Make welcome to Getting Real with John and Beth, Scott Yeager from the Challenge Mania podcast. Thanks for coming, Scott. Thanks for having me. The timing is perfect because in a couple days, we will be back in Nashville doing our third Challenge Mania live. You're going to be there. Ironically, I don't know if you remember who we ran into at the stadium, but I believe he was the last guest on your podcast, Johnny Fairplay. We spoke about that. A lot we of random timing that. here. And and Beth, it's interesting. It's I know you're not the biggest wrestling fan. It's like I've become synonymous with pro wrestling and whatnot. But you and I have a lot in common as well because you're you're a big rock and roll rock star music fan. And I am just as much as obsessed with that as I am with, with wrestling. So it's funny. I was uh, a few months ago seeing your old boss, Axl Rose and, and Guns N' Roses <laughs> with Mark Long in, in Florida. We went to see him at the uh, at the Hard Rock at one of their smallest shows on the tour. So yeah. World's colliding. Oh Worlds God, are colliding. So cool. Yeah. No, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with music. The way the way you guys think about wrestling is the way that I think about music. Well, little tidbit, Scott. I don't know if you knew that Beth, prior to the real world, was Axel Rose's personal assistant. Oh, I'm well you know. aware. That's why I said her old boss. <laughs> oh, like, you knew yeah, that. Like, okay. You yeah, said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were in LA for Mark's birthday, one of the nights either was I think like the night or two after, we went with Beth to the the Rainbow Room looking for looking for Slash and Dave Grohl and seeing if we could find any rockers oh, wow. there sipping on lemmies and smoking cigarettes and stuff. I think we came up empty, but it was still fun. I had never been there, so that was cool. What an you know, hour we, this is going to be. This is going to be. We amazing. came up empty, but we had 
had a really we had a really nice hang. Yeah. That, evening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was fun. Yeah, it was you, myself. I think Casey was there, Casey Cooper, Kendall, Shepard, I believe. So it was like the people who stayed like an extra. A lot of people came in for the party and then got out of town. A lot of people, some people stuck around for like an extra day or so. And it was us that were hitting the sunset strip. So it was, it was good times. Man, that is incredible. That is incredible. So you know what? I don't know the backstory of how you connected with Derek. Yeah. Can I you actually don't either. Give us I the history on that. How did yeah. you how did you hook up with Derek? Sure. So okay. So there, there's kind of like two parts to this story, right? So part one is about, I mean, now it's probably 13 years ago. I was working in reality television. I was at the time probably a production coordinator or something like that. And I was working on shows like Project Runway and America's Next Top Model and stuff. And I was at the time watching some reality as well, including The Challenge and, and Real World and whatnot. And at the time, I was trying to get kind of a podcast off the ground that I, that I called A Shot of Jaeger, you know, kind of an ode to my last name. And I was also the managing, managing editor of a magazine in Connecticut called The Sound, where I had the luxury of getting a lot of pretty big name guests who had come through Connecticut to play at either Mohegan Sun or the Palace Theater or anything like that. So musicians, comedians, a lot of people would be at our disposal because when you do, you know, kind of a live tour, you're, you're kind of obligated to do press in local markets and do kind of print interviews and such. Now, this is back in like 2009, 2010, when I was a podcast listener, so I knew the term, but it was not common vernacular. The average person didn't know how to find a podcast on their phone, let alone know what it was. And similarly, when I would get these interviews with these people, again, Slash from Guns N' Roses, Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, Andrew Dice Clay, Lisa Lampanelli, Bill Maher, I would say to the publicist, I'd say, hey, in addition to writing this up for the sound, since I'm recording it anyway, why don't I put it on my podcast and that way we can promote all the dates nationally? Now, in 2009, this sounded great to them. They're just like, awesome, cool, more promotion. It's like killing two birds with one stone or killing 40 birds with one stone. Great. Nowadays, that wouldn't really happen because print is sort of one channel and they're sort of willing and, and able to do print in little markets and stuff like that. But when it comes to doing podcasts, they kind of only want to do the big name podcasts and things like that. So it'd be a whole nother booking channel. And the idea of being recorded for audio purposes now, people know, obviously you can pull clips, put them on social media. It's a whole nother bag of worms. Whereas where you're talking for print, you kind of let it fly. Anyway, so very early on, I was trying to do this podcast and all of a sudden get this email. Hello, this is Derek from Road Rules and The Challenge. Is there any way you'd want, I got your info from our mutual friend, and it's a guy who you went to high school with, who I was working with on Project Runway. Would you ever want to have me on your podcast? I'm also interested in podcasting. And he was doing a thing at the time called Ultimate Challenge Radio. So he was doing essentially a version of what Challenge Mania is now back then. I said, sure, you know, I love the challenge. Let's have you on. So I had him on. He was like, this is so cool. I see you have UFC fighters on and comedians. He goes, how do you get that? Because he was, you know, having his friends on. He thought it was cool to talk to anyone but people from the challenge. So the next time I interviewed like a UFC fighter, I let him kind of come on and interview the guy with me. And we kept in contact for a little bit. Did a few interviews together. I interviewed Blair Herger with him and Mark Long with him. And he interviewed like a fighter or two with me or something. And then we kind of just went our separate ways. I put podcasting on the back burner. I wasn't able to really monetize it. And I was moving my way up the ladder in production and you know, different bosses and jobs I would have would get annoyed that I was like on the side promoting this, like, oh, listen to my podcast. And they'd be like, shouldn't you be booking flights for the shoot or whatever? So I kind of, you know, I would still do the interviews for the sound magazine, but I wasn't out there trying to make myself this big podcast star because I felt like that ship has, had sailed. Flash forward to, oh, and Derek simultaneously gave up not just on the podcasting, but also on the challenge, kind of dove into quote unquote real life and worked in the oil field. Literate, not even the figurative oil field of like the entertainment industry or whatever. No, he worked in the oil. He was a fracker. He was literally working in the oil fields for seven years from about 2010 to 2007. He scrubbed all of his social media, literally erased them. So he didn't even like put them on hold, scrubbed them. So that in 2017, when he ends up getting a divorce from first woman and wife he was with, kind of going in separate ways and getting recontacted with the challenge, he had to start from scratch. But in 2017, they brought him back on board. He was almost on Invasion of the Champions. And then he returned for what was called the Dirty 30 season, the 30th season of the challenge. He came in second place. They then brought him right back in to do a mercenary role on Vendettas. He came in and had this epic elimination with a guy named Joss that people still talk about today. And Derek, the part of his brain that 10 years ago had had the same idea, thought, oh, maybe I should do a challenge podcast. Now, problem with this is he's got the intangibles. He's been on the show. He's the celebrity. He's got all these friends to interview, but he doesn't really know how to do the podcast side of it. Cut to I'm like the only number in his phone he would have 
but I'm kind of, you know, not really podcasting, but it just so happened when he contacted me, I had just left my job, a production company I was at for like four years. I was about to get married. So I knew I was taking a bunch of time off and I kind of needed something to do every day for a few months just to feel like I wasn't being a lazy bum. But I knew like, I can't like take on a real project because I'm going to have to get a real job in like three or four months. But I also can't get a real job now because I can't go in for an interview and be like, hey, by the way, I need four months off because I'm getting married. So I said, sure. And I thought we would do it for four months and nothing would ever come of it. But having seen what not a successful podcast looked like, I instantly was able to recognize what having a successful podcast looked like, because unlike my first go around where I was getting like that boys for my friends and family and whatnot, we were getting a tremendous amount of, you know, interaction on social media, good and bad. I was looking at the download numbers and the play numbers and things like that. And so we kind of ran with it. And I said to my wife, who very quickly was like, how long are you going to do this? You said you were going to do this for a couple of months. And I said, give me to the end of the year. If by the end of the year, I'm making as much doing this as I was as a line producer, I'll keep doing this because it's fun and everything like that. If not, then I will go back to the real world and uh, no pun intended. And here we are six years later, and I have yet to enter the real world as far as the production world goes, but I am very much talking about the show, the real world almost every day on the podcast. <laughs> Six years and how many episodes? Well, okay. If you count, so we kind of number our episodes that are on the free feed and that we're going on episode 400, but that doesn't count any of the spinoffs like survivor mania or heel world and things like that. And then on top of that, something that allowed us to do this for six years is very quickly. We started a Patreon, which came with an extra bonus podcast a week. So we've probably done over a thousand total. If I had to guess over the course of six years. Yeah, it's a lot. We're we're joined today by Scott Yeager of the Challenge Mania podcast. We'll take a break. Come right back. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And we're back getting real with John and Beth, our special guest. Scott Yeager from the Challenge Mania podcast. And we're just talking about how he ended up getting together with Derek and about his very successful podcast, Challenge Mania. And, you know, everything just happens for a reason, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, Derek it, contacted you and it was just meant to be. Well, it's interesting and not to toot my own horn or to name drop or whatever, but I last week had the like distinct pleasure of getting this award from my alma mater, Syracuse University. They 
not just me. They they gave this award called the Q's 50 Award. It's the first year they're doing it to the 50 fastest growing businesses owned by Syracuse alumni. At least the 50 fastest among the people who applied when they put the Q on apply to this in the alumni email newsletter or whatever. And so I ended up kind of telling the story, but also talking to the students at the summit on Friday and things like that. And a lot of the other businesses and people who run these businesses and whatnot came from the business school and, you know, planned. I mean, half of the students I met already have businesses and are entrepreneurs themselves at age 19 and 20. That was not me. Uh, and so it's interesting. You say everything happens for a reason. That was kind of my message to these kids is like, don't think you need to be the owner of a company now, which is not what they wanted to hear. Cause they all had like a business plan, but like, you know, I got coffee for years and drove minivans for years and did airport pickups for years and booked flights for years and all this stuff for years. Then when came time to do it for ourselves and for myself, we were able to have a business that started as small but mighty, but was able to grow because it was just two of us, right? And to talk about like Derek, you know, you can't replace what Derek did on the show, the name value he brings, the experience he brings, all the relationships he initially brought. And me, if I wasn't able, ready, and willing to do what 10 people would normally do on a production set, you know, down to the littlest thing. Like when somebody buys a sticker from us, I go and mail it to them, you know? And so <laughs> like little things like that, that, you know, to say everything happened for a reason, that first podcast where I was, just, you know, they say if something happens in the woods, the tree falls and nobody hears it, did it happen? But it's like, Hey, if you record 400 episodes of a podcast with a bunch of different celebrities and nobody hears them, it did happen because you got 400 reps of interviewing famous people, listening to it, seeing what you got could have done better, this and that and the other thing. And as I mentioned, you see what failure looks like. You see what, you know, you can improve upon later. And so when the time came to do Challenge Mania, look, we got off to a bumpy start as well. Our audio got better, things like that. But, you know, everything along the way led to, you know, put us in the perfect position to capitalize on him returning to the show, gave us this head start, as you guys know. Not you guys are one of them, but not that that's a bad thing. But now there are a ton of podcasts similar that are in the space done by Challenge and, and Reality Alumni. There are several that that cover the challenge itself. If we were to start this today, specifically just trying to compete for ears, breaking down challenge episodes, I don't think there's any way it would have gone as far as it did. So the fact that we were able to kind of get off the ground as quickly as we did is because yes, everything happens for a reason. And Derek yeah. was able to embrace it and, and welcome it as, as much as he was because he had those seven years working in an oil field. Like, you know, it felt different to him. You guys were plucked from obscurity so early on in life and rode this awesome wave where you're on reality TV, <laughs> essentially local and national celebrities. You're getting taken from college town to college town to bar to bar. It's like this whirlwind. <laughs> and to have it removed for a little bit, I'd imagine, you know, John, you probably can relate to this as well, having, you know, had this like long gap between obviously your first go on reality TV and then coming back and doing homecoming and things like that, getting back into music, you know, Beth as well with all stars, you know, being separated from from a little bit allows you the second time to really appreciate it, you know, whether it's yeah. the second time or the third time and you know, nowadays with technology and social media, it can be that much more validating and fulfilling and it can be that much you know, none of this stuff was at your disposal the first go round to really capitalize right. on it, to connect right. with your fan base and things like that. You just had to like assume what people thought about you. Mm -hmm. you know? It was a whole different thing. I, I remember, yeah, so I did the real world and then I did three challenges and then I did the homecoming. My last challenge was when I met Derek. It was on Inferno 2 and just started talking to this guy, I was unfamiliar with him. I'd not seen him on Road Rules. And he, you know, Derek's just cool guy and easy to talk to. We're standing in the food line and we're just like, yeah. So, you know, tonight we started talking about wrestling and Mike, the Miz was there and he overheard us talking about wrestling. I think Miz got a little, like his feelings got a little hurt that there was wrestling being talked about and he wasn't even in the conversation. So he came <laughs> up, he's like, what are you guys talking about? And we're like, nothing. And you know, I just, I clicked with Derek then and I didn't last long on that challenge, but uh, I clicked with him and then you guys had me on the podcast and that was amazing. And so thank you for letting me come to, to SummerSlam with you. That was amazing. Well, we were coming back this weekend. We can't do Nashville without having John Brennan there. I mean, you're, you're <laughs> I cannot a wait. local legend. So how did you uh, decide that, that, that you were going to like just totally mix and smash up wrestling with your challenge podcast? Well, it's funny. So the name challenge mania obviously is sort of taken from wrestling Everything about the essence of what we do is sort of stolen from wrestling in that, like Beth, like when you're talking about like, oh, maybe I'll give it a shot. Like I always tell people, I go, 
when it comes to wrestling, you either have the gene or you don't to appreciate wrestling, but everyone has within them to appreciate something the way that we wrestling fans appreciate wrestling. So like what I did was, I mean, essentially, again, I'm this super fan of wrestling, but all these other things as well, whether it be TV or music or comedy and things like that. And being someone who's really into these things, I love ways that I can experience them in person. How I can <laughs> represent like I'm wearing this Andre the Giant sweatshirt, things like yes. that. You know, the way you kind of take your fandom and t- turn it to be three dimensional, four dimensional and things like that. Wrestling has always had that. Wrestling has always had, oh, you watch it on TV, but then you can go to it on Saturday night when you're there. You can buy the foam <laughs> finger and the and the, you know, the T-shirt. And then if you want to listen to somebody talk about it and complain about it, there's 10 radio shows doing that. <laughs> wrestling was ahead of the curve when it comes to that reality TV for years. And I know that obviously there were bar appearances and the occasional kind of college tour reality TV for years was sort of you watch it and then you go to bed, or you might lean over and talk to your wife about it and things like that. And so challenge mania was sort of like, Hey, if you're a maniac for the challenge, the way there's a lot of WrestleManiacs that are that about WrestleMania or the way there's a lot of huge guns and roses fans or Metallica fans or music fans in general who go (laughs) nuts for these music festivals and things like that that the challenge specifically, but reality TV also should, should have that, you know, and that's kind of like our essence really. And the reason I talk about wrestling so much on the podcast and we're constantly using analogies selfishly, that's so like people like yourself, John can find out I'm a wrestling fan and you don't want to talk, even just talk about it with me, but you know, maybe want to, you know, offer us an opportunity to work here or there. I mean, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of crossover with the Miz and there's some, been some other wrestlers who have dabbled on the challenge, but the reason we talk about all of our passions on the show And the reason I'm sure you guys do as well is because what separates podcasting from, you know, some of these other mediums in the past where it has to just be like single subject and then you move on is that in addition to talking about the challenge, we want people who have spent the last six years with us to also get us as people and like the sort of the cross blend of all of our knowledge and all of our passions and things like that, because you can listen to, I mean, you can listen to AI, you just put into AI, what happened on the challenge this week and you can get a pretty good synopsis these days, right? Mm. The difference is you're going to have a kid from Chicago who might mention the bears. You're going to have a guy who loves wrestling, who might mention wrestling and things like that. And you're going to have somebody like me who grew up working in reality TV and someone like Derek, who's been on reality TV since he was 19 years old. And it's kind of like I compare it to John by being a wrestling fan. You'll remember when wrestling, when WWE, WWF started, Vince McMahon was the commentator. Right. I had no idea that he owned the company. He owned the company, no. Until I was like, I don't know, 13 years old or when they kind of turned him into a character and admitted he owned the company. I just thought he was the commentator. And they did that how I model my role is that like, yeah, I'm the owner of the company co-owner with Derek. We're both, you know, but, but like, we're also like playing the part of just two knuckleheads who love this and want to talk about this and are kind of avatars for, for the, the listeners and the maniacs, as we say, but everything we say and everything we do, every move is done with the intent of us being our own kind of internal Vince McMahon's here yeah, who so are great. as invested in this as we are the show, you know, I love it. I love it. Beth, do you remember at the homecoming, I come downstairs and I had on my challenge mania t-shirt. Cause I, you know, we had, I wanted to advertise for, you know, these guys and I had this challenge mania podcast t-shirt on and the producer come up and he said, John, are you going to change your shirt? And I'm like, no, I just put this one on like, you know, playing dumb. He's like, I need you to change your shirt. And I was so disappointed because I wanted to rep for, you know, the Challenge Mania podcast on the homecoming. But it's weird because they were weird about some things that we wore on the homecoming, but then they they let a lot of things go too. It was just kind of odd. I haven't gotten a straight answer for why that is, but it's funny. It's like, there's been a couple slips where they were able. So what happened was, so Derek, we knew that. I think maybe you had filmed homecoming first or I forget, but we kind of knew we were hip to that. So instead of sending Derek on the first all-stars with stuff that looked obviously like our stuff, we go, why don't we send you with like really basic stuff, like just a shirt that says maniac on it. Tell Mm. him it's like, whatever, just a shirt, whatever. And then afterwards we'll put it in our shop, you know? So that got through and he gets off the bus and he's wearing this maniac shirt but they took almost everything else out of his bag. And then on season two, there's this We Want OG shirt that was our shirt that they let MJ wear once. And I think it's because they probably assumed it was Mark. Mark, they he certain people have been able to kind of work in their deal, like, oh, can I wear my own stuff? Things like that. But for the most part, they just don't like to promote. You know what it is? Have you ever watched one of these old seasons of The Challenge on Paramount Plus? I bet you that like if they could do it over, which they can't, they wouldn't let TJ Lavin wear like a monster energy shirt or like, you know, TJ had all these sponsors who were probably paying him like, I don't know, in skateboards. And like, <laughs> these are now advertisement placements that are in perpetuity. Every For time you'll watch this show. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And at the time, they probably didn't care. And they were just like, oh, whatever. We have a BMXer. He's got these sponsors. Let's let him wear this stuff. I mean, the price for having some like a permanent ad on something that people are not going to watch like every day for 100 years, I mean, should probably be more than what TJ Lavin got at that point. And so I think that probably gave them PTSD and they don't want anything other than whatever the presenting sponsor. So they have like Under Armour or Reebok or whatever. So what now people will do is they'll find out, oh, Under Armour or Reebok or whoever's a sponsor or another savvy thing people will do is they'll go and they'll buy a bunch of MTV swag because they let you wear that, Right. They let you wear, if you ever, there you go. Like they'll let you wear MTV swag. They'll let you wear sort of, you know, colorful tie dye stuff, whatever that doesn't have any branding on it and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But they are very strict about giving anyone any free love, especially because you never know, like, does a brand then go down the, the tubes of like, you know, does it become something? Oh, why are you wearing that brand or whatever? And, but I appreciate that. Thank you for trying your best. Yeah. Um, Beth, what's the process when you get on a challenge? You've been on a couple recently. What's what's the new process like? Oh, well, I mean, they go through everything. They go through, they? Oh, they go through everything. I've had to do that. I've had to be the bag searcher before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. No, they literally take your bags and then get your bags back. And you don't know what they took until you're actually looking for it. And you're like, what? Where did that go? <laughs> hmm, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's invasive. That's a little intrusive. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, at least. At least TSA lets you stand there and go, no, not that pocket. I mean, I think if if a cast member brings something that they're not supposed to, then you know what? Do that to that cast member when they come back. But you don't have to do that to me, you know? I don't know. I think it's a little, little overkill. I, Beth, I would love your two cents on this because it's one of my favorite subjects. Derek is someone who's very much feels very still indebted to the show. So he hates going down this route. But whenever I have whenever I have a captive audience who I think might be on the same side as me about this, I love talking about it. So a lot of these things were put in place, I think, back when a you guys were again, you guys were for lack of a better way of putting it plucked from obscurity. You guys probably did. It was a pretty sweet deal for you guys. Like a lot of you guys were in your late teens, early 20s, probably would be either students somewhere or, you know, interning here or working at a register here. And now you get to travel the world and compete for money and all this stuff. Fine. Okay. But and so and I understand why then they would want to do things like, you know, take your phones and, you know, take all your, you know, go through your luggage and whatnot, essentially treat you like you're someone who is privileged to be there and you should have to listen to everything they say and do and whatnot. Down to even the like pre and post show way of dealing with you where they'll call you to say, hey, are you available for February to March? And you go, sure. And then to not have the courtesy to call you back and say, actually, we don't need you. They just like February approach and you just realize, oh, I guess I like imagine if like a like a mm. bridesmaid or somebody did that or, or or another job or something. And so I always just wonder, like, why not Good only story. have they not updated these the way they treat you for just modern times, in my opinion, but also why they didn't date it for no longer. Are you just random woman or, or girl? You're you're Beth. They want specifically you. You're on a show called All Stars. There's only a pool of 200 to 300 people you can actually select from. And you're using these faces to market a show to get people to subscribe mm-hmm. to network. And you're still not like upgrading the way in which you treat. You're still treating them as if they are college students lucky to be there. Preach. How do you feel about that? Do you Preach. concur? Mm, well, I mean, look, I, I think I think there's so many people that are on the challenge now and all these new kids. I call them kids because I'm from the very beginning. John's from the very beginning. So I think I call them posers. She calls them. kids. So, so I think they have a lot of newbie kids on the mm-hmm. show. And so even on the all stars, they mixed us up with people that weren't real OGs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I mean, I don't know. I think they so you think it's part a, of the experience. Got a, they've got a system going. Yeah. So you just think it's just sticking with it all the way uh, across the board. I think that's that's like the easy answer is that like, yeah, it's like this is how we've always done it. Right. Mm -hmm. But in this but in the scheme of things, like just think of how many industries have had to update, quote unquote, how they do things for like modern times. Right. Like how you look at it and you're like, well, why has this been the way? Oh, it's because the way we always did it. And how many industries have gotten a microscope put on them and they've had to change. And, you know, most of the time for the better. I think certain producers would say it makes the show better to sort of treat you guys in sort of a way where you feel like you're part of an experience. It's a lived in experience and they make the rules. You don't. And I get it. And I get that without putting a lot of rules in place, some of you guys might get a little unruly, you know, young or not. But either way, I just think there's certain like kind of power play things that I just feel like, did someone just forget to update this? Like, why do you still need to do it this way? 
Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, I think the vets should definitely be treated differently than the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, what that should be, I don't know. Does it help the quality of the show for people not to know where they're going? It's until a mental they get... game. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's I don't think so. Game. There's as soon as they call you to say, "Hey, are you available for the next challenge?" Yeah, they're not going to call you. They're going to keep you on the hook because it's already started. Mm-hmm. It's already started. When you get that phone call. It has start game on before you get on the plane, huh? Oh, way before. I mean, when you first get that call, because even when they're saying, "Oh, nobody's talking," that's that's just not true. Of okay? course, comes the everybody's calling, and then you know, like all of a sudden, my phone's ringing. Like, why is so and so calling me? I haven't talked to so and so since the last show. Oh, that's why they're calling me. You so know, they're all trying to figure out who else is on the show. Trying to figure out who's going. They're trying to you know, feel you out, feel your temperature. Is this somebody uh, that I can trust in the game? Are they going? What do they know? Do they know anybody else that's going? I mean, it it starts as soon as you get that phone call. See, and- I think that that's awesome. I like, I think that's part of the game. Sometimes that bleeds into the interviews. You'll hear somebody, they'll put in a little clip. Someone they'll say, so-and-so reached out to me, whatever. So it's like, they know that the savvy players are doing that. All it does to me is sort of like award people because they tell you you shouldn't be doing that, right? They're like, don't say anything, whatever. Those of you who have been around the block for long enough to know, hey, I'm just not going to listen to that rewards your behavior of doing your due diligence. And the people who are just like so happy to be there that they're going to listen and sit tight and not tell anyone they're going, they're going to have a rougher time because they listen to the the things that they're saying. So, you know, know what? here's my downfall. Okay, Mm. my downfall. Mm. I'm a a rules girl. I knew it. I am a rules girl. So if they tell me not to do something or whatever, I'm not doing it because Mm -hmm. I follow rules. Right. And when you're playing sports, there are rules. Okay. And so if I know what the rules are and I stick to the rules and somebody else is not sticking to the rules, it effing pisses me off. Okay. Because if you can't beat me by the, the rules, Okay. If you've got to bring in Tom, Dick and Harry and whatever to try and get rid of me, you know what? That's, that's not beating me. I'm sorry. I'm winning. I'm always winning. If you want to be here, come beat me (laughs) one-on-one, one-on-one. Okay. We are getting real right now. If you need other people to like, Oh, you know, uh, come after me. You have to come after me in a group. No, come to me one on one because I come one on one. You come one on one and game on. I'm Scott, a very competitive. Scott, we're, we're going to have and to... I don't respect anybody who doesn't play by the rules. Beth, Beth, Scott, you have disrupted. You have just dis- <laughs> you have set a fire off on the co-host and we're going to take a little break. We're going to let Beth chill out a little bit and we're going to be right back with Scott Yeager in just a second. Well, we are back here on Getting Real, and and Scott Yeager from the Challenge Mania podcast has just asked, he, he, he reversed the roles here on us, and he asked a question to our host here, Beth, and she got a little all waxed up there, and uh, she thought she was in, a, in an elimination chamber there for a minute, and she got a little spiced up there. I thought she was doing a WrestleMania like promo. Yeah. Maybe oh I should become a wrestler. Maybe that's my calling. I think that maybe you know, I should be a wrestler. Then Arissa, Arissa challenged you to a boxing match there. In the well, you are one of the great, and there's a term in wrestling. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Heel. Do you know what a heel mm-hmm. is, Beth? No, I don't. Tell yes, me. You do. So in addition to something that, that unfortunately women feel like they have to wear and I know are very uncomfortable. Heels are also something in wrestling. It means bad guy or villain, villain or adversary, right? Yeah. Um, however, much like in the movies, because wrestling is scripted, sometimes heels are the most fun people to root for. They're sometimes most some of the most captivating characters and a heel never believes that they are the villain. They believe they are the, uh, the hero, but a what they're doing is often nefarious. They often cheat. They often insult the audience. They often do things that make the baby face, which is the good guy, look better and look good and make people root for them to to eventually beat them. And I would say, Beth, that you are as iconic of a heel in the world of reality TV, not even just MTV, as any wrestling heel is. Like, and you, I mean, I mean, even in the brief time we saw you on All Stars 3, you just like can't, I mean, the the like heel minutes per 
you know, your time, or I guess your like heel percentage of the time you were there was like, I mean, at an all time high, I couldn't believe you got in, you just got so much heel work in, and then you just got out. And so I would say, I mean, even you said you should be in wrestling or do it, you in your own way are doing like some really great wrestling, like character work. And I mean that authentically, not like, you know, you're faking it. Yeah. But just, yeah. You know. Yeah. But, I mean, but, look, I, I'm not happy. I lost my cool. Okay. I shouldn't have <laughs> lost my cool. I shouldn't have lost my cool. But on the show or in the podcast just a minute ago? Uh, I mean, whatever. I mean, you know what? I'm 100% real. Okay. I'm 100% real. That's true. I don't have a filter. I, I can attest. But that's to what both people expect and want from you. Like if you right. go to see Guns N' Roses and they play Chinese democracy from start to finish, yeah. you're like, all right, get to Sweet Child of Mine. What are you doing here? And mm -hmm. I'm pleased to say that they're playing like a three hour set that is just like all the songs you'd want to hear. And Beth, you play the hits like on Homecoming <laughs> and on All Stars. You play the hits. You give us the Beth that we knew and loved mm -hmm. and an updated version of it, obviously. Like, we know, we got to glimpses of your home and family life as well. And obviously see your relationship with, with Cyrus and things like that. So it's, it's a different version of the Beth that we knew and loved. But also it's still like kind of what we remembered, which I think is what's great about these shows and bringing you guys back is to show that obviously you guys have changed and matured, matured and grown. But that there's a little bit of that. You cannot take the Beth out of the Stolarchik if you. if you, oh. You know. oh, look at oh. that. Look at no, that. That's no. You can't. You just I mean, you can't look. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes just like everybody else. But yeah, you know, it's it's funny, though, because I do get accused of, oh, Beth is just trying to cause drama like no, bitch, I'm not. This is me. This is me. OK. And sometimes I lose my cool. OK, I'm on the challenge. I'm being competitive. I'm a competitive person. I grew up playing sports. OK, I was taught there are rules when you watch any other game. Or any other sports event, there are rules. Okay. Yeah, deep and breaths. So maybe I'm just getting late to the game. Deep, deep like, breaths. You know, the challenge, there are, you know, there are, you know, there's a lot of blurred lines, right? There's a lot of blurred lines. And so, like, you know what? I have to be able to handle that. I have to be able to handle that. So, Scott, you introduced <laughs> me at, at SummerSlam. We're walking through the concourse towards our seats. And you said, there's Johnny Fairplay. You introduced me to Johnny Fairplay. He was a guest on our episode here on Getting Real. And he is currently on House of Villains on the E! Network. Johnny Bananas is on there that all of our listeners, of course, would know. And we had this discussion with Johnny Fairplay about he has really embraced the villain-like title. Yeah. And what, what I asked him was, how has Beth avoided being on House of Villains. She is also now now embracing, obviously, the villain title. You called her a heel because that's the wrestling term for it, but definitely heel and villain. I mean, she she belongs on the House of Villains because she is like the real world challenge villain heel, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's funny because Johnny Fairplay is definitely someone who early on he kind of he he saw that I mean, his first season on Survivor, he famously lied about having a either sick or dead grandparent that dead either granny. Did, yeah. either didn't exist or it or wasn't sick. I forget what it was. And and either way, very early on, he parlayed that into he's, you know, done a lot in wrestling as well, ironically, but also just doubling down on that. He was then brought back in, I believe, for heroes versus villains on Survivor. Like it's kind of like the challenge doesn't reward it necessarily as much as it used to. Um but, you know, back in the day, the challenge and very much reality television were like when I say rewarding, I mean, with like job security, bringing people back, et cetera. Like, you know, the the idea of embracing a villain role, because I'll tell you what season they never have. You know, just think about the season Derek came back on. It was called Dirty 30. It's like you very rarely have a season that's like survivor, middle of the road people, you know, or survivor, you know, those people you'd want to just hang out with. You know, it's like it's always, you know, one side of the corner or the other good versus evil, best, worst, things like that. So I think if you have it where even 65 percent of people think you're the villain, but maybe, you know, you have your best stands out there and people who think you're right or people who don't like the team that slapped you or whatever it is, that's fine. But to kind of try to play both sides isn't going to get you cast on House of Villains or Traitors or all these other shows, Snake in the Grass. And now that there's this new market for all these shows that are sort of co-opting reality talent from other shows and bringing them together, the way they're doing that is by obviously they have their own game and their own theme. And they do that by finding the commonality and the through line between these people. So if you don't have that obvious through line, like, for instance, I'll be honest, like Johnny Bananas, if you take away him taking the money from Sarah Rice, he's not really a villain. 
You know, he's as yeah, much. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Like, really? He's not really a villain. Yeah. I think what probably happened is what they got from him is he's kind of the biggest name from the show. He's got, yeah. you know, good representation and he's smart and he's probably out there trying to look for any and all opportunities. So what's he doing now? Doubling down and embracing the idea of being on the show House of Villains. He's not questioning it and thinking, oh, is this bad for my brand to be called a villain? No, it's good for my brand to just be on E, you know, um, sure. you know, so for you as well, I think like, you know, people maybe if it's not everybody, but a large percentage of people kind of already view you in that regard. So I think like there are so many shows, whether it be House of Villains, Traders, you name it, whatever, that are starting to kind of put people in boxes, embrace the box, you know, because even if you disagree with it or you think it might be superficial, a lot of it does come down to like three to five key moments of you on TV. And mm. even if like that really in reality shouldn't outweigh everything else when it comes to people's perception of you, when it comes to casting, like by all means, whatever gets me on the call <laughs> list, you know? <laughs> So Beth, you're you're embracing you're embracing the villain heel persona now. I'm I mean, look, you know what? I I just don't even know what to say. I just don't <laughs> I just don't even know what to say right now. <laughs> anyway, this um, is the first. Yeah, I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> so uh, I think, come on, I mean, like playing coy a little bit. I feel like you. <laughs> that's right. And this is good. I love this about you. I think like you do kind. I'm not saying you're putting on a show, but it's like. You know, there's almost with the challenge, there's like the mental warfare that co that goes with the, the physical competition, things like that. And then I always say that these shows, yes, okay, the person who wins does get more money than the person who loses or comes in third or fourth or whatever, fine. So there's that competition. But there's also the competition of you're competing for airtime that you can then parlay and turn into other job opportunities and things like that. You're competing to be called again for another project and things like that. And I think you know that better than anybody, that you don't go to these shows thinking, oh, I might take down first place. But I do think you, in the back of your mind, think, how can I, if I'm going to leave my family and go take this opportunity down, how can I maximize this? And and give the people what they want and you know there might be some people who okay. get caught in the crosshairs there but listen, you know? no but listen but here's the thing because i'm pretty much from the beginning right i'm not some like newer reality star maybe mm. that's how they think that is 100 not how i think okay? okay uh it's just i mean it's just not i mean I, I just so you're there know. to win like that. Your thing is, is I mean, I hope I, I mean, I hope I could win. You know, I okay, think well, you know, every uh, challenge okay. is a new challenge. Right. I mean, I hope I could, you know, I, I'm going to go go and try and win. But I'm not like, ooh, I'm going to go. I'm going to take I'm going to say nasty things about this person. But the like, the oh. counterpoint I want to make here, I almost don't want to make because I don't want to like, you know, open up a can of worms sure, and give people. I know I don't even want to bring it up because. It obviously oh, happened a couple of years ago and this and that. What, and, you know, what, 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 no, what? you know, like, so, so you came into all star. I'll, I'll try to skirt and we'll try to okay. we'll try to try to make okay. people make it hard for people to, to clickbait okay. this into some sort of a thing. Sure. But, you know, you came into all stars three and it seemed like you came into all stars three with an agenda to sort of, you know, uh, personally attack one of the other cast members about something that you believe to be true about their personal life. And I think that a little bit of it made air. Part of it was you going around and kind of anybody who would listen, you were kind of telling this to them. And I believe the way you were validating it was saying that that meant she couldn't be trusted in the game. But I think that kind of felt like a stretch, maybe to some of the people there and to the viewers. And it felt like you were just kind of doing that to start some SHIT. So, you know, again, without getting too specific, because I don't need to, you know. But that's okay. But that's not exactly what happened. Okay. Well. That's, 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 that's not what happened. First of all, something that was told to me was told to me and other people okay. with other people present. Right. Okay. So I wasn't like, I'm going to go start something. No, sure. no, no. That person was saying stuff about me. And I was like, why is this person saying stuff to other people about me? Like, why is this person messing with me? Like that makes no sense to me at all. So then when it bled into the game, um, I lost my, I lost my cool. Yes, okay, so you were reciprocating. Lost so my cool. So when somebody comes after me, I don't come after people first. I never do. Never have I come after somebody. But first. the backlash of the Beth oh. one is 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 twofold. Once she's attacked, yeah. The, if, the I, if somebody attacks me, <laughs> you know, 
yeah, if I'm backed into a corner, which I felt like I was being backed into a corner, then yeah, rare, you know, so it was a cat. So it was a counter punch. So to us, because I will say to the naked yeah. eye, it, it looked, wasn't the edit. Yeah, the edit yeah. looked as if you came in and just guns a blazing. And right. so what you're saying is no. that what we didn't see was she no. took the first punch, maybe off the show or at some point no, in the show on in the, the show. show. Was was show. and you were responding to that, and so the counter punch is all that was aired was you kind of going around, uh, talking. About but stuff. I can tell you this: I can tell you this for sure, Scott. If you just go on a challenge and you're a nice dude that competes and you're just trying to play the game fairly, you don't you don't get called back. Ask me how I know. If you're not oh, out oh. there to sleep <laughs> around, if you're not out there to party and and make TV that's you know full of debauchery and 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 just you know smut. Guess who doesn't get called back? So it doesn't behoove you to no, get on these shows gone. and go and don't say no. I've got video footage. Oh. All right? hey, no, he's listen. right. I agree. I, that's what I was saying. And that's what I was trying to give you credit for. But I think you're saying that you don't necessarily go in with that in mind. I no, think all I of you have been I think all of you have been. It's been implanted deep inside of you, whether you know it or not, that like mm -hmm. you kind yeah. of because once you yeah. get into that, something about the the lights or the I know it's not like Broadway lights, but, you know, the lights, right. the can you know, the figurative lights, you know, the camera, this yeah. and that, the being on set, the kind of you go into a room and all of a sudden someone scurries in the right. things like that, just like the unnatural kind of stuff. It's like, you know. You know, Katie, who's someone who I, I've seen her. She's like, you know, Katie, who's like, and Trishel, both of which have become so well adjusted since their first go around on TV, then cut mm -hmm. to All Stars one, and there they are at three in the morning in the kitchen going to town on each other. So it's yeah. like, there's just something about it. There's something yeah. in the water, right. and there's just something, I think, just subconsciously that they've instilled, yes. that the experience instills in you. That's kind of what John is saying about yeah. how, and I don't know if it's just like almost out of maybe, maybe it's out of awkwardness. The idea of like, Oh, I got to make something happen here. Yeah. Everything Point should a camera be camera at somebody. Point yeah, a camera at somebody and see yeah. what happens. I mean, say. maybe look, I mean, look, maybe that's how some people need, that's their methodology, but that's not my methodology at all. Yeah. It's, it's just not. And I think the key word there might've been subconsciously. Yeah. I think that's it, what I think. I think it's subconscious. But I mean, if you think back, if you think back, Beth, 30 years ago, before there was even a challenge, we had roommates that called you the drama queen. That was their name for you. Oh, no, for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, look, look, drama I mean, is look, instilled. No, look, I am. I'm definitely I'm emotional. OK, I'm, I'm led by my emotions and that gets me in trouble. That gets me mm -hmm. in trouble sometimes. But when I say something, I mean it and I don't screw people over. I'm a loyal person. And if I'm friends with somebody, I'm not just your friend because we're on a show together. I'm your friend in real life. And if I say I'm your friend, I'm your friend. And if I say I'm sorry, I mean it. And if I say we're cool, I mean it. And some yeah. people, some people don't believe that. I think Cyrus believed. Out. I think Cyrus has found out. that. I mean, Cyrus would call you his writer. You are all spiced up here on this episode of Getting Real. <laughs> My God, take a breather. Take a breather, Beth. Hey, Scott, I want to ask you this because I mean, I'm a, I mean, I'm a viewer now. I mean, so until I get a call back, I've got opinions because I was on the real world, and every mm -hmm. real worlder has opinions. So um, I, I'd love to see you cast. You are a real world slash challenge expert, honestly. And I, I don't know why they don't do a fresh meet and put people like you who are just in the, the fans know you, you're, you're enamored, you're enthralled, you're invested in this. I would love to see you compete. And not only would I like to, cause you're a friend and a buddy, I think you would dominate. I think you'd be an outstanding I competitor. I do look well, at you. Thank you. Have you ever uh, thought about it? Well, so it's funny, long, long, long ago. Back when I was at Syracuse University, I want to say it's probably my sophomore year, I waited on quite a long line to audition for the real world at the Shine Student Center. I have later come to find out that that was apparently the same casting session, whatever you call it, that Kenny Santucci drove up to from New Jersey and went to, and that is where they found him. So I guess it would have been for around that season of what might have been Fresh Meat. But this, of course, was long before I became associated with the show and stuff like that. I think they actually, they want to go the other route with it. Like, I almost think they don't want anyone who feels plugged in, you know, like I think, you know, which is interesting. I think the only way it would happen that I could hypothetically see it happening is for instance like they recently did a season called rider dies mm -hmm. and when they started calling people at the way way early start before they had kind of made 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 the decision that it was going to be a male and female rider die pair 
and they were calling people and said, who would you want to play with? Who would be a ride or die? And they called Derek and he threw my name out there as potentially one of any also mentioned is I think his brothers or someone else. But but that was so early on that it was like they almost immediately went to male female pairs and they almost immediately got Derek off of the list. You know, that would have um, been awesome. That, they missed because- it. That would have been so cool. Only reason being on that season, they had people like, for instance, Fessy's partner, Mariah, although she's, you know, very physically fit, very pretty, very well suited for the challenge in her own right, was a relative unknown person with not really a big following and things like that. Casey Clark played with her brother, who not necessarily someone who jumps off the screen with charisma. No offense, Kenny. And so great dude, though, but, and that to my point, great dude. Yes, it's not there. I mean, and, and right. great competitor, but. And so, but that told me that they were willing to break a couple of their usual casting rules to kind of Mm. fit this format and get people that they wanted on there and get them with someone who was sort of authentically one of their quote unquote ride or dies. Now on the same season, they had a pair, Olivia and Horacio, who had literally, I don't think ever met who they kind of partnered up and were like, just pretend you know each other (laughs) because they were both kind of two people that they had liked, wanted on the show. And to be honest with you, they started off as alternates. And got onto the show because a couple people either got injured or sick or so and so. Then they made it all the way to the to the final, and now they're two household names. They're and potentially the best the best yeah. pair that's ever been on the show. I mean, name yeah. a person that's more competitive and more likable than Horatio. There's just yeah. not one. There's just yeah, not. and he almost babe. wasn't on it. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's he's a babe, and his girlfriend. Oh, Norice. Norice, she's beautiful. Oh, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, that couple together. <gasps> Um, yeah, they are, they're, they're a, great. uh, they're a perfect 10 of a couple, but, oh, but yeah, yeah, so, so I don't think they would ever, I mean, look, I am in, I am very much okay with being what I would call off their radar in many ways, which is totally fine by me because we get to exist, you know, in their orbit and operate very comfortably without them, you know, trying to shut us down or feel like we're over encroaching on what they do and things like that. And a lot of that is very much due to Derek's great relationship that he's had with BMP and with MTV over the last 20 years and everything he's given to them. And I think they very much view challenge mania as being kind of his operation and mm-hmm. whatnot, which is very good for us, but also doesn't necessarily, they're not like waking up thinking, Oh, we need to get that other guy. And so I also just think that I don't know that they've ever had someone and, and not to, not to name drop, but I don't know that they've ever had someone on the show who knows as many people on the show as I do and I know I could like, you know, explain, I could explain well, that. In let, an me, let me just tell you, let me like, tell you something. You're a factor in this whole thing. And having never been on the show, I can't name a more influential person on this challenge, having never appeared on the show. But I'm telling you, I'm start when this episode drops of our podcast here at first, I'm starting the hashtag <laughs> campaign Jaeger on the challenge, Jaeger on the challenge. I think the fans want it. And, you know, casting, you know, I got a few pointers for casting anyway, so I'll be calling them and and telling them what I think. But I think Jaeger, hashtag Jaeger on the challenge when this episode drops, the fans want it. I want it. Yeah. I mean, you, you would be perfect because yeah, I mean, you already come with like, you have major, major alliances. How would you do it? it How would you do it? Definitely. You could definitely win. You taking the fi- taking the physical thing out of it because like there are things I will admit full heartedly there are things that they do on the show that I just do not like I'm not a good swimmer like if my glasses fall to the bottom of an eight foot pool like order new glasses on Amazon <laughs> uh, like I just I can't even they, like so just so there's it. things like that I would obviously have to like get better at and whatnot but but just socially it could be good or it could be bad but again oh, it's no, man, you've got good social game you have the best social game i mean you've interviewed everybody you know everybody's strengths and weaknesses i mean you know it all you've got the (laughs) intel on everyone i agree i agree it would be nice but do you think there's that would be very you know you guys know better than anyone that on these shows you're just like give me a reason like how do we come up with a reason to throw somebody in and someone could say hey look like he knows every Let's put him in. Let's make him prove himself. He's never been here before and he knows everybody. That's dangerous. Let's go for him. And I think if I could, if I could get through a couple of those, then, then I'd maybe be smooth sailing, but no, it's interesting. Like even this cast now, season 39, I look at it and it's like, yes, just by nature of having people on the show or having traveled with some of these people, had them on our live shows and things like that. Like for the most part, those are kind of surface level relationships, but 
you know it also it's like you guys don't like unless you guys have been on many many shows together your guys' relationships going into a lot of these shows tend to be surface level and they're like dm based or you know you might say something nice or oh i liked you on this or that or a like on a post liking someone's post when they you know like say oh i got a new job whatever that could be the difference between someone voting you in or not so do you think it would be helpful you know that i've had so many you know great experiences with so many people but i also just think that's why they're never going to go out of their way to cast me because it would be too hard to explain like they would they would in essence especially now that they have their own podcasts and things like that like they would have to be willing to do a lot of heavy lifting when it came to explaining why this rookie the story of a rookie is meant to be you don't know anyone the story of a rookie is meant to be in over yeah, your head in the past you in anything. the past but they need a wild card now they need sure. to mix it okay up. so uh, so let me let's pretend like i'm your I'm your agent. Okay. okay. So this is what I think we should do, Scott. Mm-hmm. You are, you need to be on the challenge. Okay. This um, is my idea. So, so we can't get you on. You're saying that they're not going to cast you right now as is. So I'm going to get you and Derek on the amazing race. You know, it's so funny. I literally, I don't know if you You're saw You're going to go on the amazing race. I just tweeted and this. Then, I saw your tweet and, and I then, told Beth. Then, then you will get on the challenge or the challenge USA. Listen, yeah. you, you and Derek are good TV. You're good podcast. You're good TV. Frankly, the challenge is getting stale. It needs you. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say the fans want it. Your podcast is blowing up. I, I'm a big proponent of it. When you look back on the challenge, Scott, what, mm-hmm. what are maybe the two or three without expanding much on, on the events? What, what are the two or three biggest like happenings and events that you look back and say, Oh, that was iconic when that happened on the show itself. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, there's obviously the sentimental moments and things like that, you know, DM taking off her wig, Mm. just even on her first season. And I know we're, we're at a big DM anniversary and things. So a lot of people are sharing um, DM memories lately, but like, you know, her and Derek on, on fresh meat and things like that stand out to me as like sentimental moments. Then, you know, to go back to those those moments like, you know, Johnny taking the money from Sarah, Ashley taking the money from Hunter is sort of a modern one. Hey, I remember, John, that short lived season on Inferno. Was it Inferno three? Was it was it was Inferno two where, you know, you sacrificed yourself and, uh, you know, uh, that was the stupidest thing you've ever done, John Brennan, just like your man. Well, first of all, I had to go home. I had an issue. I had to go home. So I, I sacrificed myself. And it's a good thing I did take the Miz's place in the Inferno because he never would have been the WWE star that he has become had I not yeah. done that. And I yeah. actually, I've done a little extensive research on the Bible. Turns out that's why Jesus sacrificed himself as well. He just had somewhere to be as well. So yeah, you guys he had have... to ascend to the right hand of the Father. Exactly. Yes, true. exactly. So, yes, you know, that's no lie. He had that's, plans. A, that's a true story for sure right there. Yeah. And no, can... but so, so I remember that, you know, I obviously remember, you know, something that gets brought up a lot is Julie trying to disengage Veronica from the carabiner when they were on the harnesses high above the water and things like that, or above the city, things like that remain iconic Cyrus and TJ almost getting into it on the uh, gauntlet. Yeah, for sure. To me, I love that because it's like, they have so much in common. TJ's like in the BMX hall of fame, legendary bike rider. Cyrus rides a stationary bike live on Instagram for about 40 minutes a day. So Mm -hmm. they're, you know, two, two giants of the game there. So to see them go out that same season, Derek going into elimination after elimination, taking out the Cyruses and the Brads and the Adams only to then lose to a much bigger Timmy Beggy. And then Beth, you, you like, again, like you and Tina briefly on the, on the duel, that that physical altercation obviously stands out to me and then obviously not the challenge but real world wise i mean there's like so many iconic real world moments that stand out to me from your guys's seasons from new york from you know seattle it's so funny it's like things today that you know used to watch these shows and i used to say it was like kind of it was like judgment porn right like you could watch these shows watch people make mistakes and know that you were like, okay, that's something I probably shouldn't do in life. But like, yeah, I hope they're doing well, whatever. Nowadays, these things you have to like assume or want the person's life to be over. And I think that like the stakes are like too high and too too bad to enjoy some of this stuff for just the pure drama that it was. But I remember watching like Seattle, this guy just like follows this woman into a car and smacks her in the face. And like today that would be just like have to start like, I don't know, 40 different conversations about domestic violence, which it should. Don't get me wrong. But back then, I just remember being riveted as like a 13 year 
year-old kid watching this, <laughs> uh, yeah. dreaming of one day visiting Seattle. So anyway, those are some some moments that kind of that pop is in awesome. Man, this has just really not been enough time. This has not been sufficient. We're going to have to have you back. Maybe we'll have you back with Derek and, you know, look for Scott and, and Derek as they do Challenge Mania live appearances all over the country. They're easy to find online. Follow Scott of Jaeger on Instagram at Scott of Jaeger. It's a great follow. You're on, you're on Twitter. Same screen name on Twitter. Twitter's actually Shot of Jaeger to Shot go back to that original podcast I had. I couldn't get that on Instagram. When Instagram came out, I couldn't get that. So I had to settle for Scott of Jaeger, which kind of well, sounds like I'm like a knight or something, but, but, uh, but yeah, I love it. He's easy to find. And I loved it before the, the whole, you know, mess with the, the blue check, you had a blue kite. And you oh yes. Great, you had a great phrase for that. Cause we're trying to get the blue check. I was trying to get the blue check. And, and what was it you always used to say? What I said was if you, you have a blue check, if you're verified, but you have a blue kite, if you're very fly. Very was fly. Was what I used yeah, to say. That was but very now cool. I just pay for the check, which ironically, when I started doing that, people flipped it. And now people use blue check as an insult. People will be like, yeah, shut up, you blue check. <laughs> shut up. you!" And all the famous people don't have them. I'm just like uh, out here on blue check island. It's like me and all the trolls. Well, hey. I'm thrilled to be part of the Challenge Mania event at Zany's this weekend in Nashville. I'm not sure when exactly this will drop, but go see uh, the live events. Scott, we're going to have you back because, and I'm, I'm going to start the hashtag Jaeger on the challenge. Yeah. We'll see if that works. I, just, I have, I, I have a few quick questions yeah. though, before you do it. Go. So I know that you love music as much as I love music. So I want to ask you if you had to choose between the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, who are you choosing? So for me, it's Rolling Stones as performers, Beatles as songwriters. Now that's a kind of a cop out, but I just think that to me, the Beatles, I'm more of a Paul McCartney guy than a John Lennon guy, but the fact that it's not just the two of them. George Harrison also is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Greatest guitar players of all time. The fact that you had three, you have like th probably three of the top 30, let's say, greatest musicians of all time in the same band. Just basically the idea that, you know, when you take their top 70 songs, they're probably among the, the top 500 of all time. Rolling Stones are great and they're all in their own right. But gun to my head, I have to say the Beatles. But the one thing obviously I would give the Stones the edge on are the live performances and the fact that Mick and Keith are still out there today doing it. And that Mick is just like this amazing stageman. I'm not not to say that that Paul isn't. I've had the pleasure of seeing Paul. He's great. But I mean, the Beatles as live performers, such a small window. And the Stones have been doing it now for what, 50 years or whatever it's been, 50, 60 years. And they're doing it almost at the same clip. So that's the one edge I would give to the Stones. The iconography as well, by the way, the logo, the lips, the merch. That's another one they get to check on. But overall, I have to go the Beatles. OK, another question. Yeah. OK, so the song Live and Let Die. I know yes. you just saw Guns N' Roses and they performed Live and Let Die. Yeah. Um, who do you think does it better? Paul McCartney or Guns N' well, Roses? So ironically, you know, sometimes it's like the first one. It might as well. So it's so funny. Sometimes you hear one version first. I heard the Guns N' Roses version first when I was a kid. Oh, wow. I heard that on like K-Rock rock radio that I was listening to. It was a single off of like Use Your Illusion 2 or whatever it's on. And so I heard that and then, you know, heard the, the Wings version after the fact or the Paul McCartney version after the fact. And so I've seen Paul do it recently. I mean, he does it great in his own way. And like, but I have to say the like a sentimental soft spot for the for the Guns N' Roses. I think Guns N' Roses are like low key the best cover band of all time because they, you know, obviously like knocking on heaven's door. They just literally like elevate almost every song that they do to the point where you almost forget that there was an original. So I'm going to go with that one. And that's probably not a popular opinion, but, you know. Awesome. OK. All right. I'll stop. I could talk. We could just do a music only <laughs> episode. We can, but Beth has neglected the clock completely. So we'll, we'll have to. You can cut that. Move. You can cut that out. And that could be like an extra. You got to go no. to that. I could talk to you all day about. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. She got all, all spiced. I've never seen Beth dozens of, of episodes and Beth has never been quite as spiced up as she was today. So you got her all worked up. I like Scott. What can I say? I know. Okay. So thank you, Scott, so much for being with us. Follow Scott Yeager on Instagram at Scott of Yeager and follow him on Twitter at Shot of Yeager. And uh, check out all of the Challenge Mania podcasts. Ch check out all the Challenge Mania podcast live events that are happening all over the place. Scott, thanks for being here. We'll have you back with Derek and or we'll just have you back yourself and we'll just continue all of this conversation because it just wasn't long enough. 
Yeah, if you think I'm long-winded, wait till you get me and Derek. We are just like oh one gosh. big sentence. So it, yeah, it sure is. I'd love to have Derek on. That'd be great. That'd be yeah. great. Scott, thanks, thanks for, for being me. on Getting Real. Appreciate you guys. Until next time, keep it real. You've been listening to Getting Real with John and Beth on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Executive produced by Christian Swain and Peter Firioli. Edited by Michael DeVestia. Produced by Lindley Ehrlich. Hosted by Beth Delarchek and John Brennan. Be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Beth at Best Real World and follow John at JohnBrennan.com. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram at Getting Real with John and Beth. Until next time, keep it real. Beth! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.